Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. You're reading from your new version of the New Testament, Colin, The Truth. And we've called this series Acts for Today. And yesterday, uh, looking at the early verses of chapter one of Acts, asking the question, what kind of church did the Holy Spirit cause to emerge? And uh, you mentioned that there are certain spiritual principles that never change. It's the same life and the same love, etc., that uh, was true then as is today and uh, how we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit that releases that life into the church. And we're going to pick it up from Acts 1, verse 6. When the apostles saw him in his risen body, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore Israel as your kingdom people? It's amazing how you know God has his purpose and we have our questions, which often uh, sort of divert us from God's purpose. So Jesus deals with that very quickly. Jesus told them, the Father alone has the authority to determine when such things will happen. That is not your business. However, you will receive power when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the whole of Judea and Samaria, and in every part of the world, of the earth. I can remember back in 1970 when the revival began in my church in, in Luton. Uh, it began because we had a realistic look at the life of our church. It was an Ang- happened to be an Anglican church at the time, but it could have been any kind of church. And we looked at this statement, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, as good Anglicans, we said, well, we've been confirmed, so we must have received the Holy Spirit. But we asked the question, where is the power? Where is the evidence of the power? And we were honest enough to say, well, there isn't any. We don't see miracles. We don't see healings. We don't really see people's lives being transformed in the way that you read in the scripture. And we came to the conclusion that if God released such power into the early church to enable them to fulfill the gospel of the kingdom, just as Jesus had had that power to enable him to fulfill his ministry, then God would not expect us in this generation to fulfill the same objectives, but without the power. So it wasn't that God had changed his way of working, but we simply had not received the power that we needed. And we, we, I think we were honest enough to say we haven't received that power, not to say, well, it must be within us somewhere, but we're just not using it. We did not have it. So we began a whole process of uh, under, really under the direction of the Holy Spirit, because at that time, nothing like this was happening anywhere else in, 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 the, in the church in the same way. So we, we um, simply gave our lives to God in as wholehearted a way as possible. We, we looked at the scriptures. We saw what God was saying um, was the, the lifestyle that came out of the repentance and faith that existed in the lives of those first Christians. And we realized, well, they had that power in their lives 
because of the thorough repentance and the faith that they had received from God. So uh, there weren't going to be any shortcuts. It wasn't just a question of saying, Lord, give us the power. We needed to come to the same place of surrender of our lives to God. And we need to believe that God would give us the same life that he gave those, those first Christians. Now, at the time, we didn't know anything about baptism of the Spirit or phrases like that. I mean, we never used uh, phrases like charismatic movement. I, think. I mean, to be quite honest, we wouldn't have known um, what all these phrases meant at the time. Uh, but we did go through this whole process, and it was a process, let me tell you, of thoroughly surrendering our lives to God. And um, I prayed when when each person was at that right point of doing that, I prayed with each one of what sounds like a very naive prayer. Uh, Father, please fill this your child with your Holy Spirit in the same way that you filled Peter, Paul, and all the apostles. What a naive sounding prayer. But it worked. And as soon as the first people uh, had prayed that prayer and God had answered, we saw the healings, we saw the miracles, uh, and then people began to speak in these strange languages, which at the time we didn't understand, but we began to see all these other manifestations of the Spirit. And within a period of about 15 months, the whole of that con virtually the whole of that congregation of people was baptized in the Spirit and the church uh, expanded considerably. And then, of course, um, it was a long story, but people began to come from everywhere just to receive the life of God that was radiating from that congregation. Literally from all over the world, people came. And your lives were turned upside down, weren't they, Colin? Our lives were turned upside down, but that's not how we looked at it at the time. How we looked at it then was we are now living in a completely different spiritual world that we never knew existed and that we never realized was possible here on earth. And it was a great adventure. It was a great adventure. Every day things were happening, miracles, healings, people coming to the Lord day by day they were being saved. It was just wonderful. But you see, it, and we weren't any great shakes. I mean, we weren't people that had thought of ourselves as very spiritual or evangelical for years and years and years, and we knew all about everything. We didn't know anything about anything when we started, to be quite honest. But the Holy Spirit led us, and the Holy Spirit filled us, and the Holy Spirit began to do his work through us. Now, it's no exaggeration to say that church had an impact on Christians all over the world. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people must have come to Christ because of the witness of what happened in that church. And uh, I could go anywhere over the around the world, and people would know at, at that time what, what had happened in that congregation. And at one, on one level, you could say, well, that's great. But on another level, it may be intensely sad because I thought, well, this should be happening in every church. If it could happen to a bunch of very ordinary church-going people on a council housing estate, uh, on a car-producing town in England, it could happen anywhere. 
And uh, of course, as I began to travel, it was to enable these same things to be happening in churches all over the place. And the big question that people were asking me was, why haven't we heard of this before? Why haven't we seen these things happening before? And I said, good question, and I don't have an answer. Because all these things are in Scripture. They're all there. And obviously, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to reproduce this life in the church today. And when we give him the opportunity to do that, that is precisely what he will want to do. And you know, Julia, it doesn't matter how much expertise we have about church growth, about leadership, about methodology, nothing is a substitute for the life and power of the Holy Spirit. So it's a natural progression then to realize that we are therefore not allowing the Holy Spirit into our lives as much as we should or could be doing. I think it's true to say that in many church, in many Christians individually and in many churches corporately, the Holy Spirit is not allowed the freedom that he must have in order to outwork God's purpose. Uh, because where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And we very much want to contain the Holy Spirit, restrict the Holy Spirit to work in ways that are acceptable to us or familiar to us or are part of the tradition of whatever church stream or denomination we belong to. And what God did in the early 70s was he, I mean, he bypassed all that. He transcended all that. And wonderful things were happening as Christians from different churches came together. Um, and nobody would know or even care about what church they came from. The discussion wasn't upon the differences that divided us, but the unity that we had in Christ together. And something very serious happened when people later, years later, began to retreat back into their denominational enclaves. I believe that cut right across the genius of what the Holy Spirit had been doing to transcend those differences. But we can't turn the clock back. We can only say, well, forgive us for that, Lord, and just be so merciful that now we will see a fresh move of the Spirit that again will transcend anything and everything that we can do in our uh, own strength and restore to us the supernatural working of your Holy Spirit so that we can impact the world with your gospel, which is supernatural, with your spirit, who is supernatural, with your kingdom that is supernatural. How much do we have to want this, Colin? How much did your people in Luton, how much were they prepared to put their lives on hold? Well, we started from cold, really cold, freezing cold, <laughs> uh, from a spiritual point of view. I, that's, that's no exaggeration to say. But what God did as we looked at the scriptures, and I, I let me emphasize this again, we looked at the scriptures, and it was not an evangelical church with an evangelical background of faith in the word of God, but we looked at the scriptures and we began to get hungry because we saw that God was describing life and power that we didn't have. And uh, as I explained, God would not expect us to fulfill his purpose for the church today without supplying the same life and the same power that he gave to those early Christians. So that filled us with a great sense of excitement and anticipation that God would give to us what he gave to them. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 